0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on the RotoViz Radio Network, brought to you by our friends, our family, Blue Wire. My name is Dan Sanio, back again this week for another Dynasty Recap Pod, and you know you know what I'm thankful for this almost Thanksgiving season? It's Halloween, but it is almost Thanksgiving season, and I am thankful for my good friend Nathan Powell being here with me today. Nathan, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, how are you? I thought you were going to say you were thankful for Halloween, which is no. certainly a take,
2: but you know. Halloween sucks. New to this whole Halloween fatherhood thing. So, I mean, she can't trick-or-treat yet, but, you know, you have that, like, glimmer of fatherhood going on. You know, kids are still young.
1: You got to do the the deal that we did. You swaddle her really, really warm, and then you just put tinfoil around her, and she can be a, a burrito from Chipotle. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> hey, free candy. Everybody gives candy to candy babies.
2: Uh, sneak peek for all you who won't actually see this. Uh, we're going to be beanie babies, which just means we're wearing
1: sweaters. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. First Halloween <laughs> with a newborn. Now, now, if she would have been turning one right towards Halloween, then you'd have a completely different story. Uh, but yes, we are here for week eight. It is Halloween. You're probably listening to this here in a couple of days. But for us, we're not dressed up. So don't get any crazy ideas. Uh, crazy week eight, a couple of big news items. Uh, and with this recap, like always, we'll go down. We'll go through each division. Uh, we'll read off some headlines. They might be short-lived on in some cases, and then we'll go back, we'll pick a team, and we'll talk about them. Try not to bore you to death. Uh, but we, as always, we'll start here in the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills got just what they needed, Nathan. Leonard Fournette. Who would have thought? Uh, Gabriel Davis, Khalil Shakir, gaining value or just best ball assets? Miami Dolphins, the running game is dead without A-chain, and... Are we putting in two are we putting two in tier two yet? New York Jets, the game manager QB doing just enough to keep those assets viable. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and nothing else. The New England Patriots, mediocre Mac is here to stay, it seems. Kendrick Bourne to IR, does that mean it's Demario Douglas time? And I would like to get my singing voice on, but where have all the tight ends gone? Nathan, we're gonna stay back in Miami our second team on the list. Let me talk about this running game a little bit. Uh, I don't think any any value has changed for A-Chain since he went down, because when he comes back, I, I can't see anything really changing for him. But I actually want to start with Tua, and whether or not we have him in that second tier behind the elite guys yet, or if you think he's still a step behind the Burrows and the Herberts.
2: I think that's purely based on your like risk assessment of concussions, and like we don't really have enough data yet with obviously we have enough data with concussions to know concussions bad when you're older, <laughs> but we don't really have enough data yet to show oh like once you've had two concussions like you know you're gonna have concussions forever yes we know the more concussions you have the more stuff that you are concussions basically what I'm saying is that we don't know how much the concussion thing is really going to affect to his career he might get more concussions in the future they might end his career they might not but we really haven't seen it, an example like last year when the concussion thing was happening with Tua. It was like, if Tua gets one more concussion, he might die. Or if Tua gets one more concussion, he's going to retire forever. But we've seen people with four or fives. I mean, Brett Favre probably had 42 concussions. <laughs> Steve Young probably had 89 concussions. Yeah, so, Steve Young was bad. So the question about Tua's value is how much do you value concussions? And I, I I'm still leaning towards a little bit more risk averse with concussions, so I don't have him in that tier two with with the Herberts and the like. But I think that's purely because of the concussion thing, not because any sort of play thing. Also, we talk about all the time with these like long term like great passing pass catching weapons sort of thing. Like some people are like, oh well, two is just two has the hospital balls. Tua is only good because it's he and Waddle. Well, guess what? Tyreek and Waddle aren't going anywhere for three, four years plus. So it doesn't matter if Tua is just be go- just good because of Tyreek and Waddle, because they aren't going anywhere.
1: Right. I think that's huge, especially when you consider the value window here. Uh, I mean, Tua's is only 25. So obviously, I, I would like to think he's got another 10 years in him. And as a concussion haver, a concussion knower. Uh, my, my big concern with the concussion stuff is getting them too close together before the brain has had a chance to heal. That's when there's problems. That's when real, real issues occur. Someone like DeAndre Hopkins has like six or seven listed, uh, and then countless others not listed. We talk about the Tyler Lockett one. Every time you list the other quarterbacks, it's the, the compounding ones when the brain hasn't had a chance to heal and it gets hit again and you get reconcussed on top of a concussion. That's when the serious problems tend to occur. Um, and so maybe yeah, he had one of those last year. I, I think his he was probably what back to back or a, a week off in between.
2: It, it, no, it, it was Sunday to Thursday, two
1: concussions. So that's not good. That that's a bad one. But he stayed clean since, and that's a that's a big that's a big difference. So um, keeping he's, him upright he, and keeping he's, him. Out he's of almost. Concussion protocol. He's he's
2: one year sober of concussions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need that Pat McAfee board. How many years before the f bomb? But it's just concussions. Um, okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I probably have him right there with like Herbert and Lamar. I have him over Trevor Lawrence. It's tough for me to put him over like Anthony Richardson just because of the absurd ceiling Anthony Richardson has, but also we still don't really know his actual floor is he's. he's no, no NFL defense knows what Anthony Richardson is yet, so they can't really game plan for him, don't know how to treat him, even though it's pretty much just like Prime Cam Newton is how you have to treat him. And Justin Fields, to me, is still another wild card that should be considered in that area as far as value goes. But for me, I mean, honestly, because of the weapons, yeah, sure, the concussion stuff is scary, but because of the weapons, I think Tua might have the highest floor out of the Lawrence-Richardson-Fields Hell, maybe even Lamar, even though Lamar on the ground is such a freak that, you know, these games where we see him go for, you know, 30 passes, 140 yards and one touchdown. Yeah, they hurt. And then the games uh, when he compounds that with only rushing for like 20 yards. Well, that's the bad Lamar. That's the Lamar we don't want, but they still win. So Baltimore doesn't care. I think Tua has a higher floor potentially than even Lamar. It's, It's it seems crazy to say, but because of the weapons and because of that insane offense that Mike McDaniels has going, when they get a chain back, I think Sky is the absolute limit for all of these guys. And, and speaking of the running backs, I mean, are we in a buy mode if anybody's trying, if anybody's selling?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody's selling, especially a chan Like, he's firmly, like, he was a third round nice startup pick before he got injured. Granted, he still only played three NFL games, so I would wonder if he were out the rest of the season, which I don't think he's going to be. But if he were out the rest of the season, I don't, if he would maintain that third-round dice value with the only three games played. um, But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm buying if there's any sort of discount today, tomorrow, or the end of the season with, with A-Chan. You know, we saw legitimately like, Chris Johnson, I mean, granted, three games only, but we saw like a Chris Johnson-type speed ceiling with A-Chan. And also, like, when you look back at Chris Johnson's offenses with the Titans, they weren't nearly as good as the two of Dolphins offenses. Definitely explosive offense with Tyreek and Waddle and A-Chan. Um, and Mostert is just your consistent, like, always going to have more more uh, dynasty value than NFL value, more fantasy value than NFL value, more value than ADP sort of thing. And, you know, I have Moster on several teams. And whether it was, you know, A-Chan playing, not playing, I've, you know, he's been starting the whole year. He's been putting up good points. Um, slow down to maybe a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but not much. Moster all the way on a, on a win. Now. Um, Jeff Wilson hasn't really gotten in on the act yet. Um, but so pretty much with Wilson, I'm more so in a believe it when I see it mode, as so far as him taking touches from most who's been very good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's to me, it's whenever HN gets back, it's and and for, if you don't want to take our word for it, listeners, good friend of the show. You might've heard of him. Ryan McDowell currently has HN ranked as RB three. The majority of the community is going to have A-Chan between like seven and nine, maybe even lower than that. So there is a little bit of a discrepancy depending on if you want to take the big risk, take the big leap, assuming he comes back and he's the same guy in this great offense. So there is a little bit of a gap there in value. I think you could probably buy for low end RB1 type pricing, uh, maybe get him for... I mean, you're going to spend more than what you would spend to get like Tony Pollard, but maybe in that Saquon Barkley range, if you if you believe in the 22-year-old and you want to get him and you have him on that same level as the the Bijan Robinsons and the Brees Halls, uh, even up there with like Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor. So I think because of his age, you can easily prop him up and, and just put him behind Bijan and Brees. But I also think, you know, Kenneth Walker's probably in that conversation. Travis Etienne's definitely in that conversation. Jameer Gibbs might leapfrog everybody if he keeps doing what he did this week. So it's a it's a crazy fun team. Uh, I, think, I think HN is definitely solidified as like a mid-RB1, maybe a low-end RB1. I don't have him quite that high yet. Uh, but again, that's that value gap. If you can find somebody that doesn't value him that highly and you do, go buy. We'll stay east, but we'll head to the NFC. Washington Commanders, Howell is good. Let's not get that twisted. And I'm buying McLaurin and Dotson, possibly even though Nathan hates him, Curtis Samuel. Dallas Cowboys, Dak is back? Question mark. Offense is looking more normal. And so CD is a solidified baller. Move that man up in your rankings. Philadelphia Eagles, DeAndre Swift, moderate, but that guy's still got an enormous ceiling right now. And Dallas Goddard turning into dad runner Zach Ertz, maybe? Also, Julio Jones living with that one catch for eight yards of the touchdown. New York Giants should probably just forfeit the rest of the season. It's Saquon Barkley or nothing. And even at this point, I don't know that I even want Saquon if they're going to be throwing the ball 12 times a game. We'll go back to Dallas. Nathan, is Dak back?
2: Dak was certainly back for one week. I think that the key, which may never actually happen, sadly, the key to Dak being back is we have to see the legs a little bit. Because that is when Dak was at his best. And we haven't really seen that in like three years since his injury in 2020. Uh, But at least from a one-game perspective, he was, you know, passing the ball all over the yard for one game. So I still see him as kind of a boring fantasy asset because he has to have that huge passing volume in order to, you know, be a top, top quarterback, which... You know, there's, there's not many top-end quarterbacks that don't have at least some element of rushing these days. Um, so that is my concern from a week-to-week basis. But you're still starting Dak in a one QB type league. My my bigger question, and you didn't put this on there, but the, the Tony Pollard stuff has been, like he has not been great this year.
1: Almost like when you feed him too much, he breaks down and he's not as effective. Um, before we move to Tony Pollard, I to go back. Dak Prescott, only 31 attempts against the Rams, 304 yards, four touchdowns. He also mixed in four carries. So I I don't know that the volume needs to be there for Dak to be great. I think the play calling needs to be more consistent, and we need to see what we saw against the Rams. This looked like the the Kellen, Kellen Moore offense a little bit, uh, but still not quite what it was. This isn't that high-octane, you know, do-what-you-want type offense they're feeding cd lamb i do think it should run through cd lamb i would love to see more michael Gallup. it's nice to see brandon cooks get mixed in jake ferguson still doing jake ferguson things uh but you've got too many pieces involved in this get your good players going we don't need we don't need hunter lepke getting a target we don't need sean mckeon getting a target rico dowdle out targeting tony pollard not good kevante turpin Oh, targeting Tony Pollard. Not good. So let's transition to the Tony Pollard talk. I said it once. I said it five times. I said it 100,000 times. Tony Pollard isn't a 30-touch kind of guy. He is a 15 to 18. You give him however many carries you want. He needs to have targets to get into that space. He just gets beaten down, and he's not a 30-touch guy. And maybe he hasn't had 30 touches, but they were overfeeding him. They need to get other guys involved. He needs to be spelled, so that way he can be at his best at all times. He got overpriced. That that number was way overinflated. It's still pretty inflated. He's hard to buy right now. I think if the price comes down, he'll become a decent buy. Because he is guaranteed that volume, the problem is he can't do anything with it if he's never, like, 100%.
2: Yeah, the last uh, few weeks, a 9, 8.4, 17, 6.5. He, he does have double-digit carries in every single game this year obviously that was expected with nothing behind him in the backfield but you, the, definitely when you were taking him in the second third run of fantasy drafts the floor was expected to be much higher than than what it has been with these you know lower point performances i agree that you know potential potential buy if he continues to play to you know play as poorly as he does with the volume he's getting but as of now like if, if his volume is any i mean if his value is anywhere close to you know third, fourth round startup pick on easy selling my Pollard shares.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he, he's definitely getting the touches. He's got over a hundred carries on the season. I mean, that's, that's, you know, good for top half in league. Um, The yards have been okay. I I mean, nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, He's definitely not as efficient as some others. I think the, the big, uh, more noticeable ones, probably you know your your fantasy points per game when you're getting outscored by Derrick Henry, who does quite literally nothing outside of carry the football. Uh, being, you know, there's a lot of good names in front of him, but at the same time, I think we we felt like we were gonna get a lot more out to of Tony Pollard, especially drafting where he was drafted. Now he is outplaying Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson is from a fantasy standpoint, but also those guys haven't been getting the looks that Tony Pollard has been getting. So Less efficient, more points. You're taking the volume at this stage. Uh, I do think the price will come down a bit, and I do think he'll be a halfway decent buy when the market actually does correct. Because again, we're chasing the volume. You're still going to get like a mid RB two out of this. Problem was, because he was never going to be an RB one, at least in my opinion. It sure the volume was there to be an RB one. I I never I never saw the you know the full time ability from a, from Tony Pollard to be anything more than like a good 50-50 split guy or like a 60-40 split guy because again he was at his best when Zeke was on the field with Dallas and now it's just Tony Pollard and it's there's some good game sure but now it's it's mediocre at best for sure and uh CD Lamb before we move on I mean was there any change from you Nathan over the you know the start of the season maybe he hadn't been living up to the potential, even though we kind of know what C.D. Lamb is at this point. We know that he is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Did you move him down at all, or is he still like a solidified top five guy?
2: I mean, I, I haven't really wavered on on C.D. Lamb being top five NFL receiver, top five dynasty receiver, top five fantasy receiver. The only real question has been the volume. The, the Cowboys have been, tried to be a little bit more run heavy, be a little bit more spread the ball out type. But when CeeDee Lamb, you know, gets himself eight to ten targets a game, he is going to be, you know, getting like six for a hundred and a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, he's he's absolutely elite. and he's only twenty four years old. So before I move on, my question is to another NFC East wide receiver who is two years older than AJ Brown, C D Lamb or AJ Brown.
2: Probably AJ unless in a rebuild type scenario
1: even though they're only two years apart, you're still you're just taking them in the vacuum. Yeah. I mean,
2: I'm just going to take the, like as much as I like CD lamb, we haven't seen like the legitimate, like consistent weekly ceiling that AJ sure. Rams like scoring 30 points against.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. All right. Last one. Uh Amon Ross, Saint Brown or CD lamb. All um, the in CD. Okay. They, those two are the same age. Most people have them pretty much ranked uh, as the same guy, same value. So, all right. Let's head north, Nathan. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow has indeed returned, looking like his old self. T. Higgins, still been underwhelming. And is Joe Mixon a nice contender by the Cleveland Browns? They need Deshaun Watson back ASAP. That backfield's getting muddier by the day. And where do we rank David Njoku these days? The Baltimore Ravens, they have a no news, no change game against the worst team in the league. It's Lamar, it's Mark Andrews, it's Zay Flowers, Gus Edwards, if you're chasing some running back points Pittsburgh Steelers Kenny Pickett is better than Trubisky at least we, we have learned that RIP to the RBs Najee's been nothing Warren's been bad but Deontay Johnson comes back and he's consuming those targets yet again who would have thought let's go to Cleveland it seems boring but is this offense capable enough to support anything with PJ Walker or do we need Deshaun Watson back now?
2: The thing is, the Browns' defense is good enough to support whatever level of offense the Browns are able to put out from a NFL perspective. Fantasy weapons, backfield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like you want to see a healthy Watson. Like the healthy Watson, if it exists, is going to be much better than PJ Walker, much better than any other alternatives in the Browns' offense. The question is just, is that even possible? You know, we're two, three years removed from it. Um, and, you know, it's pretty much something we talk about every time that Deshaun Watson plays and he didn't even play last week. So I agree that the the general consensus is bring back 2020 Deshaun Watson.
1: <laughs> we need something. Yeah. Oh. On the field. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> Be very clear on that. Uh, backfield just gets muddier. You know, Kareem Hunt gets re-signed, brought in, 14 carries, 55 yards, a touchdown, getting a, a look in the passing game. Pierre Strong off the top rope, 10 carries, 41 yards, but also a target for one catch for 41 yards. Jerome Ford seemingly falling behind with nine carries for 37 yards. And, you know, again, just a couple of targets for nothing. Is there is there any anyone you're, like, preferring here? Obviously, Pierre Strong just kind of came out of the woodwork to throw this game up here. But this seems like it's just going to be a full-on committee backfield. No one's—it's not going to be hot hand. It's not going to be anything. They're just going to run all three of these guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, strictly from a like a points now at that perspective, I'll, I'll I'll take Kareem Hunt pretty easily here.
1: And I, I mean, obviously the name still holds a little bit of value too. And nobody was really buying in on Jerome Ford, aside for maybe off-season sleeper type stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's it's nice seeing P.J. Walker out there trying to run it too. But again, going back to what we started with, we need Deshaun back. It's it's just not great. Uh, we'll close out with our favorite kind of topic in the AFC North here: a tight end topic. Nathan, David, and Joku, when healthy, which has <laughs> been tough, uh, whether it be you know soft tissue or burn tissue he's been great when he's on the field and keeping him on the field has been the only problem. So where do we have David Njoku? Is he still like a firm tight end one for you?
2: No, no, he hasn't been a firm tight end one for a long time. He, he's firmly in the like low end or low end tight end one, high, more so high end tight end two, where it's like, okay, this guy could score. And like, there's a list of like 40 tight ends that are on that list. Um, He's not, with the Sam Laportas. He's not with the Luke Musgraves. He's not with, you know, some of those guys that have the higher upside um, who are younger or the same age. Um, I think that he's a solid, you know, he's scoring points now. He scored 17, 10, 5, and 10 in his last four games. He is doing more win now than like a Luke Musgrave type. From a Nike perspective, I have a hard time putting him higher than like tight end 10.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And in that in that range, you would have David and Njoku versus Darren Waller. Short-term, I'm probably taking Waller, even with the bad quarterback play. Long-term, Njoku, he's 27. Uh, Evan Engram? Are we taking Evan Engram over David Njoku? Yes. Patty Patty French Fries? Pat Fryermuth? Yeah. Cole Komet? I'll take Njoku there. Mayer and Musgrave? Mayor
2: easily Musgraves a push. Like, contending take Njoku. uh, You know, not contending take Musgrave.
1: Okay. I mean, so yeah, we could, I mean, we could really range Ninjoku from tight end, like you said, 10 to all the way down to like 16 or 18, depending on how you feel about some of those young guys. Cause then you, you get into that Trey McBride range. And then you're talking about Dalton Schultz still, Greg Dulcich for those that like him, Jake Ferguson, who, if he can find any kind of consistency, this, this tight end landscape is so strange. The top end is so crazy good. And then it's just a bunch of guys, it's just a bunch of dudes being dudes. Uh so yeah it's a it's a weird one for me but I I still like David Njoku. I just wish it was easier to keep him on the football field. All right, we'll head north. Uh we'll stay north, sorry. We're going to the NFC Chicago. We can confirm that uh, you know Tyson Bagent Bagent whatever. He's not him. The running game is dead without Justin Fields and I'm just holding DJ Moore and Cole Komet at this stage. The D- Detroit Lions Jamison Williams looks entirely lost out there. Jameer Gibbs, to the freaking moon. Amon Ra, Sam Laporta, solidified ballers. Keep moving them up your rankings. The Green Bay Packers. Does the Jordan Love experiment last beyond 2023 because he's very bad? You know who else is very bad, Nathan, or at least not great? Christian Watson. So much for that Justin Jefferson talk. Speaking of Justin Jefferson, the Minnesota Vikings, R.I.P. Kirk. It It was lovely having you. It was nice knowing you. But hello, Jaren Hall but not for very long because I'm going to be buying all the pass catchers before they inevitably sign their new starting quarterback, which will probably be Carson Wentz because of the NDSU link. We're going to stay here in Minnesota, Nathan. RIP, pour one out for Kirk. Uh, does, does he have any remaining dynasty value for future? Just I mean, he, he's what? He's 35. He'll be heading to a new team in almost every scenario at the end of this. And it's an Achilles.
2: Well, the, the real question is, is it an Aaron Rodgers Achilles or is it every other player to ever live Achilles?
1: Well, I don't think Kirk's much of an ayahuasca type of guy, so I don't think it could be an Aaron Rodgers Achilles.
2: <laughs> if it's not an Aaron Rodgers Achilles, Kirk Cousins is out at least until midseason. We don't even know if a team is going to sign him for a midseason like, contract. Like probably Most likely he gets signed in the offseason with intentions of playing midseason. But maybe not. Um, So, yeah, in terms of his dynasty value, like, 80% of Kirk Cush's dynasty value for me was that he was connected at the hip with Justin Jefferson. So if he goes anywhere that doesn't have Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or CeeDee Lamb, like, he's in trouble. And guess what? He's probably not going to a team that has a legitimate top-end wide receiver like the ones mentioned. So, yeah, I, I more so, yes, the injury is bad. But any sort of jettison away from Justin Jefferson is the biggest concern for Kirk
1: Cousins' value. Let me lob a scenario to you. Brock Purdy continues to struggle. He actually plays quite bad. The 49ers miss the postseason. They miss the postseason. (laughs) They miss the postseason. We start 2024 with Brock Purdy still as a starting quarterback. They go 0-4, and Brock Purdy is miserable. Kirk Cousins still available, has been unsigned, Gets cleared, is healthy, and Kyle Shanahan finally gets his boy.
2: It's possible. Um, but even then, I don't, I don't love that from a fantasy point. I think it's a very good from an NFL perspective. I don't know if that's going to yield like
1: QB1-type play. like Kirk Debo there. and Ayuk and Kittle and McCaffrey? That's arguably I... better. That's almost better. But – the volume. The, the, the
2: big right. thing with the Vikings is that they didn't have a running game and they had Justin Jefferson. With the Niners, he would have a running game with Christian McCaffrey. So don't get me wrong. Like, talk to me in, in nine months and say, oh, Kirk Cousins on the Niners. I'm like, oh, yeah, go, go, go. QB1, da, 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 da. Um, but also he will be a 36-year-old coming off an Achilles injury, going into a potential run-heavy offense. So, yeah, Um there's definitely cause for pause with Kirk Cousins. But I, I, I wouldn't totally rule out – I know you said most scenarios result in him being off the Vikings. I wouldn't totally rule it out with the Vikings because I don't know what options they have. Are they? Is their record going to be bad enough to be to be with Caleb Williams or Drake May? Probably not. So then you're looking at, what, like Shador Sanders maybe? No. I don't even know who QB3 is at this point.
1: I mean, they're going to be like 7-5 and five after their next four games. So they'll probably be – at least in a wild card spot in the NFC North. Uh, But that's going to fully depend on how Jaron Hall plays unless they do go and get one of those free agent quarterbacks. Do we have any faith in Jaron Hall here or is this Kellen Mond 2.0?
2: No faith in in Jaron Hall, uh, but I don't really have a ton of research going into that. What I will say is that, you know, we are recording 922 on, on Tuesday before the trade deadline. So Potentially, like Josh Dobbs got benched uh, yesterday, so he could be a potential trade target. Ryan Tannehill could be a potential trade tar- target if he's healthy, as yep. we'll rapid fire the rest of this episode. I, I would say at this point, there's like a 50% chance Jaron Hall's the actual quarterback and not Carson Wentz or a trade target.
1: Sure. Is there anyone you're targeting here as a buy? With, you know, obviously with Kirk out, the numbers are going to fall. That's it, just inevitable. Uh, So Justin Jefferson still probably really close to unattainable. Jordan Addison has been skyrocketing. I think he's a wide receiver one at this point. Here's the thing
2: with Addison is that he's had this hot start. If he does nothing, like, you know, averages three catches for 34 yards the rest of the season because he has a terrible quarterback, the time to buy Addison is going to be like December, January because people will be like, okay, we don't know who Minnesota's quarterback is going to be. Jordan Addison flashed, but didn't do anything the second half of the season. Like there are ways for us to work towards a buy low for Addison because of Kirk guys being hurt, but we're not there yet.
1: So, and then I'll I'll finish because I I agree with you there. I'll finish with TJ Hawkinson because in most cases, new quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, the tight end is always their binky. It's always their safe space. So if anyone's discounting TJ Hawkinson for whatever reason, being idiots, you buy TJ Hawkinson because I can almost guarantee you that even if his looks aren't plentiful, if he's not getting tons of volume, he's going to be getting the only volume coming out of whether it's Jaron Hall or a new quarterback because tight end is always that safe space. So I think think TJ Hawkinson might be the only one that doesn't see a significant fall off from what he currently has.
2: Yeah, my only concern with Hawkinson is that He has greatly benefited from the Vikings being a very pass-heavy, very good offense. I'm not saying he's going to disappear with any sort of new quarterback, but they're going to score less points, and when they score less points, they're going to have less touchdowns for Hawkinson, so that would be my only slight concern, but um, we're going to get into our quick six-minute half of the show. Um, (laughs) We're just going to rapid-fire through the AFC really quick, Um, but we'll give you our ad here.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
2: All right, we don't have time to run through all the teams, so we're gonna go to the teams that we're gonna actually talk about. First we have the Titans, Will Levis season. I'm buying. I'm 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 buying. I will wow. buy high. I'm I'm gonna buy high because I think that we have the chance to go higher. Uh, we, we, I did see Ryan McDowell post the history of players who have four passing touchdowns in their first game, and it's literally awful. <laughs> um, but I'm going to still buy, uh, assuming it hasn't skyrocketed, like if I can get Will Levis for like a late first type in Super Bucks. Also, people are like, oh, you're going to sell Will Levis for a first in Super Bucks. I paid a first for Will Levis, and his value just increased after one game. That's insane to sell Will Levis for a first unless it's a guaranteed top four. Um, so we'll Levis a season. I'm a believer.
1: Yeah. Unless you're guaranteeing yourself either one of the top, you know, pass catchers, running backs or QBs, you can't move him right now for just a first. Uh, I would be more inclined to get just a more sturdy, more stable quarterback. But I think another big takeaway here, too, is as a contender, even though it might not be consistent, I'm buying DeAndre Hopkins again, because I feel so much better about at least somebody being able to get the ball down the field to him than I did before that, Hopkins being an elite and still old man elite. Uh, yeah, get me in there. I'm all about buying DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Uh, I would I'm unfortunately going to declare Traylon Burks dead. Uh, so there is that, but Derrick Henry Derrick Henry's going to benefit from this too. So I would say if Will Levis, you know, keeps this job, your your old assets, the Derrick Henry, the DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to be huge for for any contenders.
2: Next NFC South Panthers just imagine this, Dan, when you simplify an offense and put the young quarterback in control, good things happen. Bryce Young looking good, at least, you know, considering he was terrible the first few games of the season, looking more in control now. Basically arrow pointing up for Bryce Young thoughts.
1: Yeah, outdueled, outplayed CJ Stroud. Uh you know, similar teams, but the one thing working against Bryce is he can't stay on his feet, man. Six sacks. That's not good. Um, he's got to be a little bit quicker decision maker. And, and some of that is on the line. Some of it is on Bryce. I know we've talked about in the past, whether or not it's a QB stat or a line stat or whatever. Some of it's on Bryce. Some of it's on the team. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm on board with these guys being great. It's great for the league. It's, it's, it's even better for dynasty because you're just adding more QBs to the pool that potentially have some high end options. Uh, another big, Big—I don't want to say big storyline—but Jonathan Mingo slowly coming alive. Uh, I, I was never really on board there, but he's he's slowly coming along, kind of coming into his own, working behind Adam Thielen here. But on five targets, going four for 62 from a rookie quarterback, uh, we'll take that kind of kind of day from a rookie wide receiver, from a rookie quarterback. And I'm enjoying what I'm starting to see from Bryce Young. I was starting to get real concerned though.
2: All right. Next one. Uh, Broncos trade deadline for the trade deadline. Uh, let's just predict it here. Do Judy or Sutton get moved in the next four hours?
1: Yes, I think both are no longer Denver Broncos. I think one of them goes to New England and I think another one of them goes to Kansas City.
2: All right. Last one. Kyler coming back. Question mark. Uh, Josh Dobb has been benched. Uh, Jonathan Gannon said it's either going to be uh, Kyler Murray or Clayton Toon. Um, I'm pretty sure Clayton Toon is one of the worst quarterbacks to ever live. <laughs> uh so um either the cardinals are trying to tank which is very possible or kyler murray's back i'm leaning towards kyler murray is back um the question is are we going to see kyler murray kyler murray or Are we going to see an, an abridged version of kyler murray
1: before i answer that there is an option c them saying he could start means that he could be healthy means that he is healthy he could play that could be them trying to move him now because of the injuries if minnesota's like oh my god we could get kyler murray right now and get like a second, even though we know this dude blows. Great, you know, from an Arizona perspective. Now, it would be great to see Arizona with some of these fun young weapons to get Kyler Murray back and it be Kyler Murray. When's the last time we saw Kyler Murray? Oklahoma, maybe? I I don't I don't know that we've ever seen actual Kyler Murray in the NFL. Um I don't want to declare him bust, but we're starting to get to that stage where it's 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 getting scary. So I'm I'm still and, gonna be and, I'm sending and, I'm sending offers for Kyler Murray today to every league that I don't have him, which is zero. Thirty
2: seven hundred yards, thirty nine hundred yards, thirty seven hundred yards, that's just passing
1: that's without his legs. Are you to how it, how those how those teams do? Who cares? I'm just saying if they don't if they don't think he's that guy, if he don't think he's gonna win, they're gonna be more prone to trading him, especially when they can bring in a Caleb Williams or Drake May.
2: I mean, I think it would be like one of the most crazy trade in NFL history if they trade him, but I don't think it's going to happen.
1: But if he comes back, that's better for them. They're going to start winning more games, play themselves out of that. You know what I mean? Because because
2: it makes NFL sense for them to trade him theoretically, but rarely do those type of trades happen.
1: No, and I I totally agree with that. I, I don't think it's super, super common. I don't think it's really realistic. However, it's bad for Arizona if Kyler plays and it's Kyler. Now, if Kyler plays and it's not Kyler and it's the guy we've seen more recently, great, because then you're going to keep losing. And it doesn't really matter. And the young assets get to play with a veteran quarterback that can kind of play football instead of Josh Dobbs.
2: Already, Any last words, Dan?
1: Go buy Kyler Murray before he blows up.
2: There we go. Kadoosh!